here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back once again to the Dharmic Evolution. We've got a real treat today. He's from New Jersey, and he is a fingerstyle guitar player. He's also a graphic designer. Um, really connecting on so many levels, he has fused together fingerstyle guitar playing with singer-songwriter approach, and uh, that's a rare thing, but um, I think you're really going to enjoy this music. Um, he also worked with Grammy Award-winning songwriters and producers Tricky Stewart and The Dream. He then moved to L.A. to work with Tricky and his team put out his first and only EP as The Pilot Kids called Open Fire. He then moved back to New Jersey in 2017 to reconnect with his New Jersey roots and launch his new solo project. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution with Don Rique. So here we go, another round of the Dharmic Evolution. And today, Don Rique, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Checking out your music, man. Slamming, slamming, acoustic, finger-style guitarist, amongst other, um, you know, talents that you have. And just a quick backstory for everybody, just the way Don Rique and I met is I've been in a class with his significant other for, for quite a while. She's my yoga instructor, and um, she kept telling me about her boyfriend is this guitar player. And, you know, you hear that and you go, yeah, there's, there's millions of us. I never paid too much attention until I surfed through Facebook and listened to your music. And I was, I was really, really um, blown away about the whole thing. So, um, you know, welcome to the show. And I'm so glad to have you here um, to share your music and your stories today. Yeah, I love, honestly, I love when things happen organically like that. That's Those are always my favorite kinds of uh, experiences and opportunities is when they just kind of happen. It's not from reaching out to people or, you know, banging on someone's door. It just kind of happens. So this is these are always really fun for me. Yeah, and it all ties into the whole, you know, yoga experience. And, and if we want to touch on that, we can do that too. But I've been doing that so long, probably 15 or 16 years, you know, really dedicated to, to the practice. So, so many good things related to music come out of, uh, you know, the spiritual thing, the yoga thing, um, just connecting with people and all, all different walks of life. So that was a really, really good way for me to discover you. So let's get on to the, the sounds and um, the stories of Don Rique. And so tell us how it got, you know, you got connected to fingerstyle. And that's not the only thing you're doing, but quite, quite frankly, my favorite thing to listen to when I'm not listening to music related to business and the type of sounds that I make is the exact thing that you do, which is finger style, the guitar work. And it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to just sit and process and listen to and let it soak into your DNA. So how did you get connected to this type of music? Yeah, well, first, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's my favorite um, thing to listen to when I'm not listening to, you know, podcasts. Nowadays, I'm listening to mostly business and entrepreneur guys. So not even I get more inspired from that kind of thing than from music. But when I do like to listen to music, I like to listen to fingerstyle guitar. And the, the way that I got into it 
really was through um so i mean the, the way that i really got into music uh was through graphic design and that's kind of where it all started for me um i started i was always drawing in class like you know middle school and elementary school i was always drawing and trying to show everyone my drawings and doing a picture of spongebob and showing people and stuff like that and then that kind of led into me taking a graphic design class when i was in eighth grade and I started to kind of connect like, well, these kind of these kind of look like drawings on the computer. And, you know, this is my little eighth grade brain trying to figure out what was going on with Photoshop. And then that sort of led to a friend of mine was was playing music. I was not playing music at the time. And a friend of mine was, uh, you know, played guitar and he had a little band that he was doing. And he saw some of the designs that I was making in, in Photoshop class. And he said, oh, those are sick. You should you should like help my band make um, make a T-shirt design for our band. And I was like, what What do you like? I didn't really know what he was talking about. So he started showing me like, you know, different bands that he was influenced by and um, sort of the idea of like applying artwork to to a music act with his project. And and I was really into it. And then I started making these little designs for my friend's band in Photoshop. And then that led to me going to show local shows to see more of like indie, indie rock, emo type bands in freehold new jersey and then that kind of led me to really that's when i really started to connect with music it wasn't finger style guitar yet but that's how i got into music was through the art and then i started connecting with local bands and offering to help them design their t-shirts and then i was screen printing t-shirts in my garage and then that i sort of now i was kind of in this like music local music scene and naturally i just was like well i think i kind of like the music side of it too i liked making the artwork for for the visual side of the music. But then I started getting to like, I, you know, I want to play, I want to play an instrument. So my dad kind of saw my interest in music, saw what was going on. And he had an old acoustic guitar in his closet and he pulled it out. And um, my dad is an incredible artist, musician in his own right. Um, and he, his favorite band was Jethro Tull. Oh, so my, kidding. my whole life growing up, I was, you know, hear, hearing Aqualung and and uh, all kinds of, you know, thick as a brick, just kind of playing from downstairs just all day long. So that was kind of probably the first influence of music. And uh, but anyway, so he he had an old guitar in his closet and he knew some basic chords. And uh, he was like, you know, here, you can you can take my guitar and here's an E minor and here's a G and, you know, have fun with it. And then so so I started playing acoustic guitar first. But I wasn't quite doing fingerstyle yet. I was playing like indie rock emo, just kind of like bar chords and trying to sing. And I didn't know what to sing about. And um, and then, you know, I was playing around on the guitar for maybe like, you know, a year and a half, two years, something like that. Just kind of playing bar chords, rock songs. And then YouTube happened. And then I found that sort of infamous Andy McKee video of him doing playing drifting. And then like me and a lot of other people around the world, that kind of just sparked an entire world of, of music and guitar playing that a lot of people didn't even know existed. And I was just sort of completely sucked in at that point. And I was like, what is, what is this that's going on on the guitar? Yeah. And sort of, it sort of became a transition of the artwork was still happening and the other kind of music, I was still listening to it, but it was like, I was just every day getting more and more committed to learning this art form on the guitar. And then I just found Tommy Emmanuel and I found all these other guitar players and started tracing back the lineage. And then it just kind of became, that's what I was doing. And um, yeah, it was, uh, now it's kind of still a combination of all those things. And um, 
you know, fingerstyle guitar is still is still my roots in terms of how I learned music and how I even learned about songwriting and composition before I was singing. Um, I was kind of seeing with fingerstyle guitar, you're really it's more of like you're you're becoming a producer, and you know you're thinking about all the parts that a band would be doing. So, yeah, fingerstyle guitar is uh, I really I think it's a great uh, one because you could take it with you anywhere. Um, you know, it's similar to playing the piano, but you can't put a baby grand in your uh, in your trunk. So um, I think fingerstyle guitar is such a great art form. And, you know, if you're a songwriter, it's such a great tool to be able to, um, you know, write songs on. So why don't we give everybody a taste? Here we go. LA funk man that is happening so that's the one that sold me when I first heard that I said I said oh yeah this guy knows what he's doing so um one of the things I really love what you're doing and this is something I wanted to do years ago and um you know I started listening to a lot of the people that you're listening to and uh just got swept away by like this is just beautiful music and what about incorporating a singer-songwriter into that world and i start to see you and just very very few people are are doing that and i kind of took a different path um but you know when did it occur to you to say you know what i want to i want to you know just expand my brand of not only finger style but you know go a little bit singer songwriter as well as this like when did that start to develop for you yeah, I, I think that's a really uh, I I'm, I love that you brought that up about um, because I think that that's sort of the um, the trajectory for a lot of people playing this style of, of guitar or even just interested in singer songwriter. Um, you know, if the, if it's very guitar heavy, even if it's like James Taylor or you know Don McLean, like there is there is an intricacy to the guitar yeah. that is sort of inherent with that sing that classic singer songwriter with the guitar. And, you know, if you kind of take it a little bit further and you get a little more complex, it can kind of take away from the vocal. So it's kind of that balance of like, you know, when do I put in a crazy lick? I think someone like Brian Setzer does it really well. Um, so th there are people out there who are, who are doing it, but it's, it's very tricky. It's kind of a tricky thing to crack. And uh, the way that I really got into it was um, 
when I was really heavily just focused on instrumental fingerstyle guitar, no singing, I was sort of following this path of um, wanting to connect with this community um, it, with called Candy Rat Records. And they have a YouTube channel where they they sort of bring up a lot of the you know the talent in that. What is in, what is it called? Candy, Candy Rat Records. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard of them. Yeah, they're they um they're I mean they were responsible for finding Andy McKee and and they signed him and okay. he was one of their first kind of like you know guys that put them on the map. And then um, but anyway, so they have an incredible. I mean, they're sort of the hub for you know, up and coming finger style guitar players. And when I was sort of like, this is what I want to do. You know, I wasn't thinking about singing. I wasn't thinking about producing or anything. I was like, I want to get on candy rat YouTube channel. Right. So, um, so I started to form a relationship with, uh, some of the artists on there and I got to know the, um, the owner of the, of the label and, and he was giving me a lot of great advice. And, and at the time I had a friend of mine from high school who was, sort of managing me, you know, giving me ideas. And we were, you know, he was, he was there for me in terms of we, we were, we were trying to figure out something to do with, with my music. And, um, his idea was like, let's go meet up with this guy from Candy Rat Records, play him some of your songs and, you know, show him what you got. So we actually, we drove out to Chicago where, uh, Can Candy Rat is based out of, and we got a meeting with the owner, uh, Rob Holland. And we sat down with Rob and I was all excited. I was like, you know, I had all a couple songs that I've been working on for a couple of years and I played them for him. And, uh, he was just like, pretty much like, yeah, they're, they're cool. Uh, but candy rat is like always looking for something that has like not a gimmick necessarily, but that next thing that's going to be, that's going to push the art form forward. Yeah. And at the time my songs didn't really have, like they were good finger style songs, but they didn't have anything unique about them and when he told me that it was kind of like yeah you're right i agree with you as a, as a consumer and an, au an audience member for finger saw guitar there wasn't really anything that that caught you about it so i was like um well i did have this idea of of combining finger style guitar with hip-hop what do you think of that he's like well that sounds cool if you get that bring it to me and i'll listen to it yeah and then that sort of sent me on on the path of um was like okay well he would be into that so and i think that would be cool like combining combining it with with a genre that i've never really seen before and then it's so it started off that was sort of the the thesis of you know combining finger style with hip-hop but then it sort of evolved into me learning how to produce music you know trying to make little beats hip-hop beats and then play my guitar over them and then i was like well and then i would send them to this friend of mine who who took me to meet rob Holland. And he was like, well, these sound really cool. You should have someone rap over top of them. And I was like, well, that's not what we originally thought of, but what did you have in mind? He's like, well, what about your friend Johnny from high school? He's a great rapper, and you let's send him the beat and have him rap over it. And then that's sort of how, that was sort of my first, and then you know, we, can, we could talk a little bit about what path that took me down. But that was, just to answer your question, that was, that was the, um, the genesis of, starting to think about doing something different with fingerstyle guitar and, and breaking out of the box of just, you know, becoming like another Tommy clone or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and then, and, and now that's just my mindset in general. It's like, okay, fingerstyle guitar is a tool and it's something that, um, is, is very much part of there's, there's a rich history to it and I want to continue that lineage, but I want to figure out how to add things to it that are different, that make it so that more people can, 
find out about fingerstyle guitar, you know, people who like pop music or people who like hip hop right. or people who are into different kinds of music that normally wouldn't, you know, like fingerstyle guitar. It's kind of like, instead of just preaching to the converted, how can you find people and convert them to, you know, learn about this, this beautiful style of guitar playing? Yeah. How do you pronounce Johnny's last name? Is it Gorns or... That's it, Gorns, yep. Okay, so I want to just, before we play this next one, I just have to give proper acknowledgement to the godfather of fingerstyle guitars, and I'll share a really, really quick story about this. I was a contractor in a previous life, so I go in and I'm I'm finishing up this basement for this guy, all his electrical work, and at the other end of the building, these painters had come in, and they had the first acoustic wave Bose machine like they played CDs and it was in this in this canvas covered thing and it you know it was full of paint and everything but I didn't even know what it was there and I heard this sound coming out and at the other end of the basement I went running down and they are playing an album called Aerial Boundaries by Michael Hedges which to this day is still my favorite album of all time of all records anywhere ever produced and you know, for those of you who don't know who Michael Hedges is, he was kind of the guy who started a lot of the the finger style. I mean, he was so early, like in this in this development, and other people have come on subsequently that, that you've mentioned, and and as well as yourself. But um, the things he was creating and the sounds of the harp guitar and all of these, you know. I had one person who said, yeah, I saw him playing in this little club. Everybody's ignoring him. He's up there making these incredible sounds. And um, have you, like, been a fan of, of his, Michael Hedges? Like- yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely aware of Michael Hedges and definitely yeah. a fan. Um, it's, it's weird. It's like, I guess, uh, fingers, you know, real people who are, like, really into fingerstyle guitar, they kind of know there's, like, you have the people that come from, like, the Chet lineage. Yes, yes. Who are thumb pickers and and who are into the boom chick style right. and that Nashville sound, and then you have the people that come from the Hedges lineage who are more percussive, more abstract, more ethereal. You know, uh, you know, banging on the guitar, altered tunings, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I come more from the Chet, you know, Merle Travis lineage, where I kind of, you know, I was in the beginning, I was I was looking at both. I was like, you know, I have Andy McKee, and you have all these other guys with the altered tunings and the crazy, you know, harmonics. And then you have Tommy who's doing like pretty much like blues music, you know, he's kind of staying in that lane. So definitely, I definitely love both. I just was like, I can't even do that stuff that Michael Hedges is. I was like, I don't even want to attempt that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so, it's so advanced and it's so, it's just, it's just, I was like, I don't even want to try and compete in that world. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's incredible. He's, he really is like responsible for, I mean, anyone who's able to like pretty much invent a new genre, it's like, it's it's insane. I think what really attracted me to him was his tunings because I'm a, I'm a real fan of alternate tunings and I write, even though I write more in a um, Christian rock sort of pop rock vein, I write most of my stuff in alternate tuning and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's just, if that's where the inspiration comes from, who cares what, what you tune to, you know, it's just, it's just get the song. So yeah, I agree. let's, let's uh, play this next one here. Uh, Don Reek leaving California.
California. Um, what uh, key and uh, what is the uh, the chords that you're opening with or the riff you're opening? Like what, um, um, you know, where are you on the on the fretboard? Are you capo? Are you open string? Like any special tuning on this? Yeah, that song is in standard tuning and it's in E minor. And I'm kind of just playing around with uh, like E minor. And then I think it's like, See, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm bad with. With if I looked at my guitar, I'd be able to tell you. Right. But okay. it's it's basically just the way I think about it is. Um. I I try and I try and write things that are like rock progressions. You know, yeah. really basic power chords. Um. Simple progressions. Doesn't sound that way. It it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sound that way. But that's when I really started getting into fingerstyle guitar. What the, the songs that I liked the best if you took out the melody and you took out the, um, you know, the bass lines that are going on and you looked at just the chord progressions, I mean, it could be like a red hot chili pepper song or something. Um, so, so I try and write, you know, with the chord progression that, and, and kind of now what I'm doing with singer songwriter, I'm just kind of taking out the finger style part of it and I'm just writing the chord progressions. And instead of playing the melody with the guitar, I'm just singing it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it nowadays. Let me ask you about your um, recording technique because you're getting really, really incredibly beautiful sound. The tones are, are gorgeous on on, on the recordings, like really, really polished. Um, can you just share with us for, for those audio geeks who love to hear about recordings, what are you using to record? Is it a combination? Yeah, so, um, and thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And, and I definitely have to give credit on the Wildflower EP. I did get the opportunity to record that with a Grammy nominated recording engineer. So we have him to thank for that. And Who his, is name that? Is Ken his name is Ken Oriel and he is a uh, incredible uh, recording engineer and producer that I met when I was working in Atlanta with, uh, with Tricky Stewart. And um, I got to connect with him when we were working on the pilot kid stuff. And we were literally in sessions for like 12 hours a day. And I think I can quote him on this, but he said that he'd never worked as hard. It, and he and he's like a he has like a crazy work ethic. But he's like we ran him into the ground because <laughs> we're we were like two kids from Jersey who had never been in a recording studio before. Yeah, and we're like, wait, so we don't have to leave? And <laughs> we would literally just show up at like I mean, we were probably showing up at like two p.m. realistically, but then we would leave at like. 4 a.m. like every day yeah and Ken was just like he, he just had to be there to just record us yeah so we so I, you know we formed a really good relationship in that in you know we were we were with each other you know a lot and um i learned a lot from him and he helped me record that um you know the la funk and the leaving california and um and and the only real thing the input that i had when we were and we actually recorded it in his apartment in new york so we weren't even in a, a professional studio we did have some great techniques and, you know, we had great microphones that he brought to the table. But the main thing that I wanted, I was like, I wanted to get a stereo sound with uh, the recordings because um, all my favorite fingerstyle albums when I would listen. And I didn't know this when I first started, but when I started learning more about um, engineering and, and recording techniques, um, I could hear that, like, if I listened to just the left headphone, I heard things that were different that were on the right um, uh you know, uh, headphone. And, um, and I was like, and, you know, then I found out that, that was stereo recording. So I really like the sound of recording acoustic guitar, especially finger style and stereo. Right. And, um, basically what that is, is just two microphones and you can have different, you know, you can either place them 
you know, equal equidistant from one another. And then you find different spots on the guitar that kind of bring it out. And it's, it's sort of an experimental thing, but I just like that sort of full stereo image of the acoustic guitar um, when you're playing finger style. Yeah, it's so appreciated because I, I, I've experimented endlessly with that um, using, you know, I have pretty good tailors and I use the, um, the built-in mic, but I also use really high quality one on the neck, uh, one mm-hmm. towards the sound hole, sometimes overhead. And every, every song is a different animal. You know, it's like it the tones that are coming out, depending on where you're playing on the fretboard, if you're playing up high, they're all so different. So like you can't experiment enough, but we don't, we only have so much time that we can, we can, you know, dedicate to the engineering side of things. So when you have a skilled engineer who has the experience, it's great to just let him dig into his toolbox and say, I, I know this one, man, this, I'm going to save yeah. you hours and hours. Definitely. Of, of and and just to add one more geeky, um, geeky note to that, we used a matched pair. Yeah. So um if you are going to record in stereo and i was even playing around with this uh the other day i bought it i think it was like 250 bucks from guitar center it was these little um i think it was uh road road makes them they, it's like this little matched pair um condenser microphones they're like this big they look kind of like a little sharpie or something yeah they're super tiny you get the pair for like 250 bucks and you get a great sound just recording with those two so i would if someone's interested in you know, because we, we use some we use like some vintage microphones on the uh, L.A. funk stuff. But and but just the same principle matched pair stereo um, stereo recording you can you can achieve for like 250 bucks. Nice. Um, are you are you um, are you you know, are you representing road in any way here? Should we, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I mean, you know, maybe a uh, shout out to road if they want to, yeah. if they want to, you know, hop on board. You but, see um, that? Don Reek is available. Dan, yeah, Don Rico, I should say. Yeah. It's, he's available. So give him a call. Hey, let's do another one. This one is called rolling train. Everybody. I'm riding on this rolling train I'm hiding from the pouring rain Nobody here, nobody there And where it takes me, I don't care Just riding on this rolling train Mm-mm. I take a drink, I feel no pain I got no home and I got no name You see people come and people go And melt away like virgin snow So I keep riding on this rolling train Mm-hmm, just riding on this rolling train Riding on this rolling train To make my way back home again I eat the sacred, sip the sad And I spit out what I never had And keep riding on this rolling train Mm -hmm. Keep riding on this rolling train 
Awesome. We get to hear your vocals, man. So let's talk a little bit about your vocal skills and your influences and like when you've really realized that, hey, you want to dig in a little deeper and you want to expand this role of finger style. Um, who did you like, like who did you conjure up in your mind to say, this is somebody who I really relate to as far as a vocalist, um, people that you grew up listening to besides uh, Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. Really don't mind if you sit this one out. <laughs> Yeah, I used to perform I, I, I that, try, by the way. <laughs> I, I try and I try and block out Jethro Tull yeah, only because okay. I've heard so much of it. Like literally, <laughs> like I could so much of it. Um, but it is my first influence. So yeah, you got a little Jethro, you got a little Ian Anderson in there. Um, and then definitely from there it turned into like emo music. So I got a little bit of like, you know, uh, you know, influenced by like yellow card and uh the starting line and senses fail and fallout boy. Um, so I kind of like that little bit of whininess. Um, but I sort of have like a, I kind of am like in, in between like a, I'm like kind of like a baritone. Um, so I've always really loved John Mayer. I mean, most, yeah. you know, singer songwriter, good, you know, guitar players from my generation, John Mayer is definitely on the list. And then, you know, as I, as I kind of started, really thinking about vocals and really trying to point to like where my range is and not trying to be something that I wasn't, um, you know, people like Johnny cash and, um, people who have, you know, looking at people who had lower vo voices, Michael Buble, he kind of has like more of like on the lower end of the spectrum, even though I'm not anywhere near as uh, skilled as Michael Buble, but just like his tone. Um, so yeah, people, people that are sort of on the lower register of, of their singing voices. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to kind of build up that list of influences because it's, it's sort it's still a new thing for me. I'm kind of um, getting more comfortable with it and, you know, knowing how to control my voice, but it's still like, I feel like I'm where I was when I was playing the guitar for like only three years, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of at that stage. Great. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, Michael Bublé could never do with a guitar what you do. So it's, there's kind of like, you know, it really doesn't matter. It all comes down to, can you make the music? And whether that is like a lot of people come on this show and I ask, what's your instrument? You know, because they may play an instrument, but um, a lot of the serious one will say voice. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I do play a little piano or a little guitar, both or whatever. Right. But it's really about making the music. And, and I always cite like Paul Simon as one of the geniuses of our time. Yeah. He was considered a fingerstyle guitarist. He's a badass player, man. He's even a really, poet. You would even consider him more of like a exact, poet or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's where it comes to, you know, Paul doesn't have like the strongest voice in the world. He's more of a mellow singer. However, it's like, what can he do musically? And it's like, Man, if you're not envious of that, you're you don't have a pulse. I mean, the yeah, guy's no, that's I def he's definitely on the list too. Bob Dylan, obviously, someone who's one of the greatest artists of our time, and he, you know, he's most people can't even stand listening to his voice, but yeah, he, but they don't know, they don't even realize that majority of the songs that they listen to are actually Bob Dylan songs. Yeah, <laughs> I love his voice be because yeah, he, he just he stripped away all of the false veneer. And just went right to the core of his soul. And that's what he's singing from. And he was doing something so revolutionary 
that and he like you said he's written libraries of songs you don't you don't really see bob covering other people's material yeah yeah he doesn't he's he makes the music that other people cover yeah well i think he does covers of his own stuff yeah right <laughs> this is a cover of a bob Dylan song yeah. by bob it's like i'm gonna do it this way and use this voice on this day i mean he's just a, and he's still doing it like you know this is since yeah. the early 60s he's i know still it's incredible playing. yeah, yeah so. it's, but yeah and and just yeah and i think the um the 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 through line with all of these people that we sort of are talking about is at the core of it is the songwriting you know the songwriting is what is what um puts a spotlight on guitar playing or vocals or lyrics it's it's ultimately that's what makes you know you can you can play a bunch of really fast notes but if you don't have a good song and a good structure to put them in people don't want to listen to it so the yeah. songwriting is is sort of what is the most important thing and you know that's what I'm sort of you know you get into uh, learning guitar or you get into singing or something because it's fun to do and it feels good and and it's something to you know put your focus on but the more you sort of start to uncover what it's all about you're like oh it's the songs are what are really you know, driving, driving those skills. And, um, yeah, I mean, people like Bob Dylan, that's, that's why he's so good is because it's all about the songwriting, the structure and yeah. the form. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's something else. And, um, tell me about like, what are you doing as far as, uh, you got all this stuff going on, um, performing, uh, do you get out? Do you have, do you find places that are, are, you know, that re are receptive to what you're doing, locally or is it is that a challenge for you um here in new jersey yeah it's that's a that's a great question because um even a couple of years ago that was something that i was trying to make a conscious decision of like do i want to be a performer do i want to be a songwriter i mean some other people that i'm really influenced by you know contemporary um producer songwriters people like ricky reed um benny blanco um, Justin Tranter, I got a, you know, I got a choice to hang out with, with, uh, with him when, when I was over at Red Zone. And these are people who are writing songs for like, you know, Ariana Grande or, you know, um, people, you know, or people like that, that, you know, more pop kind of writers of today, but are still sort of, they're sort of like the, um, the Carol Kings of, of today, the people that are kind of in the background writing all these songs. And I was yeah. like, do I want to just be that? Because yeah. I really, to me, the songwriting is what's most important. And, um, but I, I always had this itch to go out and perform. So I'm kind of coming out of this phase of just like, I've just been writing and producing and in the studio and just working on my craft kind of, you know, in, in the studio. And um, so now I'm sort of, you know, that itch is coming to want to perform again. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding little places. I found a spot in Marstown called the Laundromat that I'm starting to set up some, you know, little two hour sets doing and starting just doing open mics again and just going out and playing around and, um, finding, finding what works for what works for me in terms of, um, you know, my balance of songwriting and performing. Great. Yeah. I've played there the laundromat. That's a good place for you for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a little challenging around here, but I think you're doing the wise thing. I mean, you're building, uh, what is, what is, uh, your quintessential brand. I mean, you know, and really the, it, it takes time to put that investment in and, you know, it takes time and perseverance and longevity to stay with, you know, especially when you're carving out something that's unique, you know, that's unique for you. And, um, you know, having the patience to stay with it, it, it takes a lot.
you know. Thanks. Yeah, you nailed. You totally nailed it. You're 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 obviously on on that same exact path um, because you totally nailed the you know just the longevity and the patience and thinking about the big picture. Yeah. You know, I think about people like um you know like Les Paul playing you know at his jazz club you know until he's dead pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And it's like that's that's what that's the game I'm playing. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be a flash in the pan. Um, thing. This is my life. This is what I want to do. This is what, you know, what I, what I feel I'm here to do. And for me, it's like, okay, well, you know, what's, what's two years or three years towards figuring out, um, you know, the next chapter, you know, it, you know, everything is kind of like in these little year, two year increments of like, you know, kind of refining your lifestyle uh, around, you know, your art form. So yeah, yeah, you definitely have to have that mindset. Yeah, I think you're right, um, because um, if you look at the people who have been in that position, um, the the most recent example, like you said, is uh, not only Les Paul, but B.B. King literally died, died like playing, like he got sick in the last year of his life and he just couldn't physically do it. But but he he played till, you know, he was pretty much pretty much gone. And uh, somebody asked Don Henley from the Eagles, like. You know what are you doing like touring you, you, you've done so well financially you don't and he goes i did try that retirement thing he goes like he goes what am i you know i'm a musician i'm a singer i'm supposed to be performing yeah and uh, elton john tried it i don't know how many times he did the last tour and now i think he's doing it again <laughs> saying i'm not gonna play anymore and i don't believe him maybe he yeah. won't do it as aggressively because you know the road is really difficult billy joel got sick of it and then he said, you know what? I'm going to just play Madison Square Garden until they're so sick of me and they don't want me. If I don't sell it out, I'll stop playing. Not only hasn't that stopped, but he, now he's doing stadiums again. Yeah, it's it's like, crazy. So, so nobody can stop. Like if it's in your blood and if it's yeah. in your DNA, this, if this is what you're supposed to do, then it's just like if you're whatever, if you're any other kind of artist or whatever your career is and, and you're passionate about it, why would you stop, you know? It's totally true. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that, um, that brings musicians together is that mo a lot of people may not fully understand it. People really love and appreciate music, but unless you're actually doing it and it's, you, you have that sort of burning thing within you, right? you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cultivate the right, um, crew of people to kind of keep you going and support you. Yeah. And the, the, the funniest one for me was, uh, I saw this old stones clip one, one night and they, they were interviewing Mick Jagger and he was like, he couldn't have been more than 21. And they said to him, uh, how long do you think this will continue to last? And, and he goes, I don't know, but I think, I think we're good for about a year, maybe a year and a half. It was like, <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He goes, and this was wow. like their first album just came. And he, looked, he had this confused look on his face like he thought this was just some fluky thing that they, they really weren't going to have a career out of it. And this yeah. is like how many it's, decades later, like six, in a, seven, in a weird, in a weird way. That's, that's almost, um, that's almost like now I'm trying to reconnect with that. Um, not, not, not like carelessness about it, but there's something special that happens when you're not trying to like be famous. You're not trying to like, yeah, like do some crazy. They're just like, we're just doing our thing. I don't know a year. They're not like, Oh, I'm trying to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because when you have that when you have that like mindset about it, sometimes you're not, you're not doing the thing. Like to me, music really happens the best when it's just like, you're just living your life. And if you're a musical person, it'll just happen. And, and, yeah. you know, trying to, trying to get back to that, 
when you have more experiences and, you know, you've had things that you've tried and that didn't work and you kind of, but you always have to come back to cultivating that original sort of like what you said, Mick Jagger's like, I don't know, maybe a year, like I'm just doing this for fun. Yeah. We don't not thinking about it like that. You guys are right. That's why God tells us live for today and don't worry about tomorrow. Hey, let's do another one. This is staying in. Tonight, 
Yeah, staying in. I really love the vibe and the mood and the tone of that. Um, can you give us the metaphor behind this? Um, was there a special meaning for this song? Like, what was the the, the reason you wrote this one? I think um, I think just I'm you know I, I tend to want to stay in instead of go outside. I've always I've always just not really been like a bar or a club guy. Like I really. I genuinely just like to kind of stay home. I'm a little more of a homebody and play my guitar and work on music and hang out with my girlfriend. And we like to, you know, cook and do, you know, just things that don't require us to kind of go outside all the time. Right. Um, we do. We like to go outside, you know, in nature, you know, do do things like that. So, yeah, it was just it was just pretty, pretty literal kind of just, you know, we're staying in. And I think, you know, always trying to find something that, feels unique to you uh but at the same time is you know like a universal um to feeling hopefully like i'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to the idea of like i don't like to go out all the time on friday night i like to just have yeah. a good time inside yeah i'm usually like uh you know go out for a sandwich and a beer and like i'm out of there like in 45 minutes it's like yeah, i can't get, get it done i can't stand hanging all night and it's it's almost like i guess if you're a if you're a musician and a performer and what have you um you know the only reason you want to be in a place like that is because you're going to be on stage performing otherwise I, i've given up shows that i could have gone to to say you know i'd rather stay home and write to tell you the truth it's true yeah, yeah. i mean i i have I'm, I'm pretty bad with that like i i I probably should go to more concerts, but I, I don't like being a spectator. Yeah. Like even, even if it's a group that I, unless it's someone I really want to see, I'm not really interested to go to like a festival or something. To me, it's like, I want to work to like get on stage and play. Like that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting there by watching someone on stage. Like I got to put in the work. Yeah. Well, you're doing the right thing, man. I mean, the investment that's is like, it's, it's, it's something that's a long game and people who are not in this, feel they could never understand how could you how could you spend all this time but um as you develop your archives of material and you continue to you know to climb you know that that, that ascending staircase um it is nice to once in a while look back on the journey and say you know we don't do that enough we're always like focused on work 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 and and mm -hmm. progress and but but once in a while it is good to look back and say well look where i came from i had no idea that i would be like here and playing at this level now, you know, even two years ago or three years ago. So um, to that end, I think I think uh, you've got a really, really bright um, and uh, exciting future career, like the, not only developing, but but about to manifest itself. Um, Thank you as so you much. Continue. Yeah. So um, we're getting close to the end now here. So let's let's talk about um, your wishes for the the continuing of 2019 as we, you know, continue wrapping up this year. What do you see on the horizon for you, Don Rique, as far as like going into next year? What would be like your dream thing to happen for your career? Because you're doing a lot of things with, um, you know, making all these um, affiliations with uh, other artists, engineers, and so forth. So do you see it all coming together as some kind of picture or are you taking it day by day? And what are your aspirations? Yeah, it's, it's another, I mean, you ask good questions. <laughs> I, I practice, man. <laughs> yeah, you're great. You're great, man. I really appreciate um, just the thoughtfulness. Uh, and uh, yeah, so right now, actually, 
what I'm what I've been focusing on. So I'm always songwriting. I'm always kind of developing my my sound as Don Rique. But what I've been focusing on for like the past six months is actually I'm building a series of online songwriting and recording courses that I'm getting ready to launch uh, very soon. And, um, you know, I, I had to take a lot of I had to just really be realistic about, you know, how I wanted to monetize my career, how I wanted to really take everything that I've invested and in, and say, OK, you know, I really put in put in a lot of work. I really kind of have a certain thing that I can help people with musically. You know, I have I have these skills that I've developed musically. What do I want to do with them? Do I want to sell T-shirts? Do I want to sling, you know, CDs at people? Do I want to try and run around and play shows all over the place and you know, all of that will come in time. But for me, what I or do I want to do a Kickstarter and raise money for an album? And, you know, I was really thinking that I think I thought it would be a great way to get to my next point in my career um, and to, you know, sort of monetize these skills. You know, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, we need to make money doing what we're doing. And for me, uh, I was looking at a lot of different people. And the thing that I really was attracted to was the idea of, of, taking everything that I've learned and putting it into something that would help other people make their own music. And, um, so I've been really, and that's been a completely new skill set in and of itself, trying to actually teach music and to take all these things that are very internalized things that I've just spent a lot of time processing in my own brain, but never really communicating to people about songwriting and guitar playing and recording. And I've been just kind of getting that out of me and, and putting it and documenting it. And for me, it's kind of like it's it's like another building a real asset, you know, once I have these courses and these in these videos and they really bring value to people. And and, um, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of envisioning wanting to be, um, you know, I want people to enjoy my music and I want people to come to my shows. But for me, it would be much more rewarding if, um, you know, if I got a message from, you know, you know, a 22 year old kid who said uh, or I found out some article, you know, some kid blows up from a song that he wrote and you know how do you know how did you learn about songwriting oh i took a course from don rique to me right. that would be that would be a better way for me to to kind of um uh just just spread my my what i what i've spent so long to to think about and and um and process with music uh i kind of see that being an important part of of what i want my legacy to be i want to really not just inspire people through my music but i want to help people like actually write their own songs and actually be able to do their own music because at the end of the day um you know people who are who are attracted to what you're doing musically nine not nine times out of ten but a lot of times are musicians themselves and deep down they're like i want to learn how to do that how can i do that i like what he's doing i want to do that too so i want to actually like actually be able to help people not just inspire them to like you know want to make music but actually um, practically give them the tools to do that. Fabulous. A thought leader. And um, I can't think of a, a better person to do this, to take this on. This is great. There's always a need for people to learn. And now we have the ability to just log on and tune in and follow somebody who is, uh, who's a great example. So that's, that's really awesome, man. C congratulations on that. Thank you. And, um, so for people, the best way to connect to Don Rique, where, and we'll include all your links, of course, in the show notes, but, but how can people immediately connect with you? So uh, definitely donrique.com. It's D-O-N-R-I-Q-U-E.com. And that sort of has, I just send people there because it's easy to remember. And then you can obviously you can go to all the social links from there. 
So just head over to donrique.com and uh, sign up for the mailing list. You get some free stuff with that. And then, uh, you know, follow me on all the socials from there. You can click all the little, all the little icons. Awesome. Donrique, I got to tell you, man, it was a pleasure. Um, we could have stayed on all day long talking about fingerstyle guitar only, but uh, there's so much to cover. And uh, I just want to, on behalf of all those out there who, um, who appreciate and love your music, I just want to wish you all of the success and God's blessings on you and your music. And also my best to Gianna. Thank you for connecting us. And uh, I'll see you on the mat. See you on the mat, yeah, in Downward Dog. L.A. Funk. Leaving California. Rolling Train. And Staying In. These are the songs of Don Rique. Don't forget to support him at his website, donrique.com. Check out the show notes. Everything is under Don Rique. So uh, check him out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the socials. You can find out all about what Don Rique is up to with his music, his training, his teaching, his videos. Stay tuned for all of this that's coming up. He's a graphic designer. We talked about Andy McKee, Jethro Tull, Tommy Emanuel, Michael Hedges, Candy Rat Records, Ken Oriel, Engineer, Road Mics, Emo Music, John Mayer, Ricky Reed, and the laundromat in Morristown, New Jersey. This was a really fun interview for me personally to, uh, to connect with Don Rique and talk about fingerstyle music that is so passionately ingrained in my soul. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have not yet connected to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, you gotta get over there if you're an artist, singer, songwriter, or are you an author, speaker, or thought leader? We can help you guys out too. Post your content on there. Do you have a new book, a new speaking engagement? Um, do you have a new video, a new album? We all love that. A photo shoot. Maybe you're playing a bunch of gigs somewhere. Post it on the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page. And for those of you who have gone and supported our new brand spanking new WordPress Dharmic Evolution website, go, go on over there, man. It's really cool. Um, we have 227 artists from around the world on that site with their photos, their videos, their music, their songs, everything on there about them is uh, available for you to surf and check out who's doing what in the indie music community worldwide. That's what we put it up there. Leave a comment, please, on the blog, on the website, and let us know what you're thinking about this show. We'd really dig that. Also, in the coming weeks, we'll be coming to you from the Music City. Yes, I am relocating on a more permanent basis to Nashville, Tennessee. The Music City. Yeah, that's where I think the Dharmic Evolution belongs. So that's it for me today. That's a wrap. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.
It's in my heart.